Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Nate, today we get to talk about something which I have completely missed out on in my entire musical life. Okay, what's that? Reality TV singing <laughs> competitions. Ah, I, I, I too have mostly missed out. I've dabbled in the voice a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think this came about when I was sort of deep in high school uh-huh. and I was probably distracted by my studies and all the other things that were happening in high school. And I just like... Your studies. Yeah, I was a diligent student. And, you know, frankly, I kind of just felt like the message that anybody could be a star was kind of trite at that point in my life. So I just wasn't interested in these things. There's a new film that's just come out called Teen Spirit, Mm. which stars Elle Fanning as a contestant in a British TV competition called Teen Spirit Ah. that promises to make some starry-eyed youth (laughs) the next big thing. Gotcha. And she comes from the boondocks in the Isle of Wight. She sings in karaoke bars. She takes lessons from a former opera star, forms a band, and practices her craft to escape her humble life with her single mother. And I, I really enjoyed the music in this film and the way that it sort of uniquely tells the story of star creation mm. from a slightly different narrative point of view and using this TV singing competition as a narrative device. This sure. is all fascinating to me. But it also got me thinking about what have I been missing out on? So a bunch of questions occurred to me, like, how important are singing competitions in music, especially today with things like YouTube? What are the musical aesthetics of singing competitions? And so I thought what we could do today is have a little exploration into the influence of TV singing competitions upon pop music, um, and then sort of look at whether what we find out conforms with this new film teen spirit and we're also really lucky to have an interview with the star l fanning about what it takes to train to be a pop star in a film right on all right i'm excited this is gonna be fun so i thought to kick it off we should just listen to a clip actually from teen spirit and get a sense of this tv singing competition music Oh, yeah. This is Robin's Dancing on My Own as yes, performed is. by Elle Fanning in the film Teen Spirit. Cool. Is this a 
TV singing competition song? You know, it doesn't strike me particularly as as the ideal material for one of these reality shows. Neither did the film. This is the funny thing. The film is, in many ways, this is the a story about pop music itself with yeah. using pop music as a, a storytelling device. Right. But when she sings this song in a, in, the, in the competition in this film, they, the, the, the judges say, that, that's not really, that was not a good song choice. <laughs> but I love this song. It, it's like nostalgia. Yeah. It well, built into it. It's funny. I, I'm thinking like how part of the reason it's not a great song is that there's a lot of silence in the song mm. as in like lyrical space like right, right, you know right. you you sing a line and then you pause and the music kind of does the work does she love you better than i can there's a big black sky over my tongue yeah and then you sing another line it's like it should probably be a song where you're just singing non-stop yeah. And there's like there's not a lot of vocal range here. So this was kind of like stuff I was intuiting. This feels like maybe this isn't quite right. But like I said, I'm I'm not an expert here. And so what I thought we should do yeah. is to get a sense of did these things match the expectations? I wanted I wanted to go on a little bit of a journey and, and figure out um what what have we missed in uh the reality TV singing world. And so we should commence with a non-exhaustive Entirely reductive, <laughs> but utterly surprising history of reality television singing competitions. Okay. okay, so when I think about reality TV singing competitions, I generally think about American Idol. Yep, that's the big one. Right. Well, over the last couple of days, I've been doing some deep research. Okay. And I have found that there are some surprising mega stars that are so imbued within pop culture that you might not know or you might have forgotten that they actually came through a reality TV singing competition uh, history. So we're going to do a little bit of a lesson here, uh-huh. but we're actually going to we're gonna turn it into a game. I want to play you some tracks yeah. of some of the world's biggest pop stars over time and see if you can identify their early releases on these competitions. Whoa, okay. I make no promises, but I'm, I'm ready to play. So we need to go back in time, way back. Almost a century. What? Uh, I'm playing with my numbers, but 1934 to Major Bo's Amateur Hour. And I love this because not only do singing competitions start in radio, but it starts on a show called Amateur Hour, which is like the term. It's Amateur Hour, (laughs) which I think is so fun. I'm going to play you a clip and I want you to see if you can identify who this indelible star is. One of the biggest names. Okay. We have now the Hoboken Four. They call themselves the Singing and Dancing Fools. Who speaks for the group? I will. I'm Frank. Uh, we're looking for jobs. How about it? Oh, my hair is curly. The man's got curly hair. I gave you a lot of hints in there. This is easy. I heard, uh, I heard, I heard a Frank in there. Yeah. I heard the Hoboken Four, Jersey. Yeah. Is this Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons? This is Frank Sinatra. What? Yes, <laughs> Frank Sinatra was first heard on the Amateur Hour. That's wild. And he's not the only one. Okay. Amateur Hour goes to television, and I want to take you to 1948 when a exceptionally talented seven-year-old goes on the show and i don't know how you could possibly get this but you're gonna have to try okay Someday they may call 
Wow, seven years old? Good voice, right? That's I need to see a birth certificate. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm just stabbing the dark. I'm going to say Nina Simone. This young woman won this competition three times. That is a seven-year-old Gladys Knight. Wow, Gladys Knight. Incredible. You know who was cut from the show? Um, Elvis Presley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, some of the biggest folks. Okay, so we have gone from radio. I love it, yeah. Moved over to television. I think the television competition world gets picked up post-World War II in 1956 with Eurovision. And for those of us who are not as familiar with Eurovision, it's basically an American Idol-like competition meets the Olympics <laughs> because it includes nation states and European nation states. They have an internal competition to each, within each nation and then the winner goes to a multinational competition and there's eventually a winner each year. And it, it was really a project of post-World War II healing, trying to bring different nations together Wow! as, you know, instead of using tanks, using voice and dance, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's wild. So maybe maybe Eurovision will will heal Brexit in in 2019. Big question is: Does Britain get to participate? Whoa, yeah. yeah, right. Because usually Britain gets into the top 20 no matter what. Because gotcha. you know, kind of like being in the UN Security Council of song and dance. <laughs> in any case, um, many stars have been minted out of Eurovision, and I think you might get this one. Okay, we're gonna go to 1974. Huh. In fact, this song is appropriate for Eurovision because it deals with issues of European politics. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know this one. about napoleon surrendering oh my god this song is so good <laughs> that's abba i know that that's one ABBA. and if i didn't before i i definitely would have having just seen mama mia 2 here we go again yeah. uh last week <laughs> can't recommend it enough <laughs> fantastic scene choreographed yeah. to that song yeah please continue <laughs> but did you know that they were eurovision contestants? i had no idea yeah yeah and and i mean if we could do a whole like, so they were the, they were sweden's entry yeah, we, we could do a whole mini series on abba's influence upon all of popular music that like through ABBA you get to Max Martin get to mm. Britney Spears get to Ariana Grande like th there's a whole sort of Illuminati is that a proposal because it might be I accept okay so we got ABBA I want to play you one more from Eurovision yeah this is one of the most important winners ever this is uh, from 1988 huh. So you're starting to get it. I can see it's your mind turning. Ooh, I'm I'm loving that. Okay, I mean I have a guess. Yeah, Celine Dion. It's Celine Dion. But isn't she Canadian? Eurovision's funny. There are. 
people who participate in Eurovision that are not in European countries. So Australia uh, is in it. Israel won last year. Wild. So Celine Dion, another reality show uh, alumnus. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now let's go to Star Search. Star Search was the big 80s, 90s progenitor to American Idol. They right. minted many of today's biggest stars. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Usher, Christina Aguilera. Oh, yeah. Which one surprised you most? Your eyes are flying out of your head. I, <laughs> my eyebrows went up <laughs> because... Is, was this pre or post Mickey Mouse Club? Because that's where that's where I always thought. Uh, that's where I think of Britney and JT yeah, right, and company right, getting right. their start. Upon a cursory research, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to say just around the same time. <laughs> totally. Okay. No, no. That just adds more to their mystique for me. Much more interesting, though, are the folks that I did not know about. Okay. Hit from me. Star Search. This is a 1990 contestant. Why is Whoa, I'm feeling this. It's a good voice. Yeah, wow. But can you recognize that voice? And and pure. Um, 1990, this has got to be Jessica Simpson. Alanis Morissette. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now realizing what we're basically doing is the inverse of the masked singer. That's so, I mean, no, this is fascinating, though, because... That did not sound like the Alanis Morissette I know no. from you know Jack no. Little what, Pill. What did you, what, what did you hear and what do you expect? Well, I, it just sounded like more of a straight at straight up pop voice, you know, yeah. very clipped and 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 straight ahead and pure, not doing the kind of wild, edgy, rough vocal vocalizations that you hear on like you you you. I don't know. Well, if we want to talk about distinctive voices, yeah. It's going to bring us to the final and I think most important star who got started in the Star Search era. Let's play our final clip from 1993. Ooh, that's funky. Yeah. That's like super rhythmic. Yeah. Is this Beyonce? Yes. No way. <laughs> I can't believe you got that. Did you have any idea? It sounded it sounded like her to me. Yeah. It oh, really no I mean, way. unlike wow. the previous example with Alanis, like that just sound that wow. that like breathy kind of rhythmic attack. It was all there. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is Beyonce performing in I think they were called Girl Time. Eventually became Destiny's Child. Wow. And then we get the biggest star of all time <laughs> okay wow do you know i'm curious do you know if any of these people won star search i have no idea yeah interesting i have no idea but i'm guessing it doesn't that's not even a court a correlation i mean like no. just being on the show is is maybe enough to well, keep yeah progressing forward well, i think the, this is exactly what industry. what sort of what surprised me in going into this investigation was that i never thought that some of the artists that i perceived as i'll just say like the most artistically reputable, mm. game-changing, biggest stars came through a system which I have sort of perceived as trite, commercial, 
like not, totally manufactured. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, intentionally manufactured. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, we 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 know that many of these groups are actually put together mm-hmm. by these shows. Oh, true, true. Right? So, like, One Direction well, yeah. is an example of yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it, huh. which begs the question: like, is so? I think we both agree we yeah. like One Direction. Yes. Great musicality. Yes. We did a whole episode about Harry Styles' most recent album. We loved it. Yes. I guess it makes me question this like nature nurture thing. Like, uh-huh. are these kids just poised for artistic brilliance or? Does like actually working within that early manufactured machine help breed new artistic integrity and interest? That's a, that's a good question, Charles. And I and I don't want to sort of lean too hard on like the artistic integrity. Like some things are good or bad, right? But I do perceive them often as acting in different ways. Like they're they, they have they're preferring different kinds of modes of expression. Where the the, the I always sort of think of the the, the TV performances as much about the the visual and the spectacle, mm. which can be extremely exciting and motivating. And there's no reason people shouldn't enjoy that. Mm. But I see it as operating differently than Beyonce's lemonade, which is a you know, essential cultural artifact. And that they are coming, that she's coming through that system is just extraordinary to me. Okay. Yeah. So this catches me up to where my knowledge was at, which yeah. is American Idol. Mm. So American Idol launches in, 2002 and this is the real beginning of the decline of the cd era right and a real shift is happening in pop culture napster's 1999 even cable television is trying to figure itself out there's more channels than ever before and american idol is one of the most culturally significant things that happens on television it gets 38 million viewers at its peak isn't that crazy that is crazy that's like does anything any besides the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl? Maybe? Yeah, I don't know, right? Wild. Right. Uh, it was the number one show on TV for seven years. I remember seeing ads that they kept telling me that it was, so <laughs> and it has had an undeniable influence on pop music. I already read a bunch of the folks that had come through sure. Idol and some of its spinoffs. The show has had five number one hits. The first one, I think, upon rediscovering, says so much about what the TV star competition is about. Yeah, it's nice. Nice little cadenza there. Yeah, so it's very, Kelly, very saccharine, but I'm into it. It's kind Kelly, of self-referential, right? Well, that's this, that's that's the whole point. Yeah. This is Kelly Clarkson's oh. "A Moment Like This." This is her first big hit on winning the competition, and it scores a number one hit for for the competition. Remember, they're putting out albums and record deals, so this is a like multifaceted uh, intellectual property synergy, machine. baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and the song is literally. Some people wait a lifetime for a yeah. moment that, like this. I can't believe it's happening to me. <laughs> it's as if she's narrating the experience of discovering fame while relating to all of the viewers who are excited to see themselves in the potential role mm. of the superstar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 100%. What surprised me uh-huh. about going into American Idol is that though it had an, had a long run, it disappeared in 2016. It's back again. Right, right. Um, and... We can almost see it as a continuation of this much longer history of television entertainment and radio entertainment. Oh, yeah. The amateur hour. (laughs) (laughs) 
it actually only has a sort of short run hmm. of mega pop hit success. So by 2006, they actually have their last number one song. Uh, remember Taylor Hicks? Oh, yeah. Do I Make You Proud was his song. I do remember, and, yeah. and the last time they even had something in the top 10 was in 2012 with season 11 winner Philip Phillips. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, home. That's a great tune. That's a song. great tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was the last, in 2012 was the last time they had a number 10, top 10 hit. I think part of the reason why is that there is, I hate the word, but a great degree of disruption in huh. how one can make it in the music business. Sure. Right? So, First of all, there's a ton of spinoffs, right? So you said you watch The Voice. Love The Voice. X Factor. Yep. There's a, so many different shows. And I don't want to stay too US-centric because mm. there are European spinoffs. Of course, there are tons of Korean TV singing competitions where there's this entire history there, which I think we are do, overdue to get into at some point on the show. No doubt. But basically, all this competition from different shows is diluting the audience. There's not as many people watching. The star power is not as much there. And people are popping up on YouTube. They're p- popping up on uh, Vine, right? <laughs> they, yeah. John Mendez is a Vine star. Yeah. Right? Cardi B was a Vine star. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right? And so there's there's all these other ways to get exposure and build a fan base. We no longer rely on you got to go on television, go through a whole contest, be recognized by a premier set of exclusive judges <laughs> that are going to determine your fate. American Idol is back. <laughs> it's still going. But I think it's kind of nostalgic. And there's a great degree of nostalgia in this film, Teen Spirit. Mm. What I want to do when we come back yeah. is I want to look at what is the sound of reality television? Uh-huh. Is there a specific yeah, yeah. sound? And does this film, which is playing on nostalgia for the reboot <laughs> for the reboot of this TV era star-making power, which is now sort of waning, waning yeah. and tenuous at best, um, does it conform to those musical standards? We're also going to talk with Al Fanning. Cool. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. (laughs) I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. Because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say... Yeah, aliens are real. Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? 
Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House, and that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. What is the sound of a reality TV singing performance? I don't know, but I'm dying to find out. Okay, so back in 2014, Vulture writer Benjamin Solomon did The Impossible, (laughs) went and counted, tallied all of the songs that have been sung on all of the major competitions to see which are the most performed songs. Wow. And I want to look at the top three songs. Okay, great. And see if we can identify some characteristics that make something uniquely for live reality television i'm 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 on the edge of my seat okay i don't think you'll be surprised that the number one song is by one of the most talented vocalists of all time whitney houston whitney houston her song i have nothing has been performed 17 times eight times on american idol five times on the voice twice on x factor yeah uh, once on The Winner Is. I don't even know what that is. One on America's Got Talent. Um, and there's probably more since because this is a little dated. But right, I right, just right. wasn't going to go and grab all the data because that's going to take forever. Nonetheless, I think we can just agree. Whitney Houston's voice, epic. Let's listen to I Have Nothing. And I want you to listen in for, is there anything in there that makes this mm. worthy of being the number one most performed song on reality TV singing competition? I love it. I love it, yeah. Epic modulation at I the end. I love it. Yeah. So nice. So what what do you what are the main characteristics here for you? Okay, this is a great question. Okay, this is like a big part of this is is virtuosity, yes. right? It's the ability Absolutely. to sing difficult things well, right? Yes. This is a hard song to sing. Really hard song. As I was pointing out, there is this wonderful and difficult modulation there yep. in that final chorus where it just ascends kind of at a strange and open undecided moment you have to as the singer lead that moment the music's not bringing you there so i think criteria number one is vocal vocal dexterity totally yeah let's go to the second most performed song this is nina simone's feeling good it's a new dawn it's a new day it's a new life for me yeah it's a new dawn it's a new day new life for me and I'm feeling good Mm. this is uh, I mean first of all what an amazing song just as a quick aside I mean the fact that this song is called feeling good and it's set in a minor key yeah Mm. okay so this one I feel like if they're doing it like the recording, when you start singing the song, you are out there on your own. Yeah. You're, it is naked. acapella. There is nowhere to hide. Yeah. That takes a lot of guts and, and a lot of you know, self-confidence to be able to pull that off. That's exactly what I heard in this song yeah. as well. It's confidence. A lot of poise. Mm. And the way that she goes from being 
a solo voice mm. into leading the band yeah. in, right? It's like all of a sudden the drama has increased. And I think related to that is emotive ability. Every vowel, every consonant mm-hmm. has, is so perfectly formed and done in the perfect dynamic with the way that volume ebbs and flows to emphasize the smallest thing. Yeah. And and as a as a watcher of the voice, I know this is the advice they're constantly giving mm. the the contestants is like you have to sing this song like you mean every word. Yeah. Like every like this is your thing it's all occurring to you for the very first time and you need to to sing it out. It That's makes, hard to do. <laughs> it is hard to do. And you, you need to because your job is to transmit that feeling to the people in the audience who might probably almost definitely have heard this song before yeah 15 15 times (laughs) and they need to hear it in a new way as well and so you have to perform this to the top of your ability and also not be trite how do you maintain being real and performative so hard seriously brings us to our last song great this is uh the number three most performed song (laughs) across reality tv singing competitions it is by janice joplin huh by the way, of Big Brother and the Holding Company. What do you read in Janis Joplin's voice on Peace of My Heart? This Okay, so this is a good song to pick if you really want to show off your personality and your unique voice. Because this song, if you're channeling Janis Joplin, you're just like letting loose. You're throwing in ad-libs. You're leaving it all on the floor. Like, this is a song you pick when you're like, I have my own style and I want everyone to know it. Like, this gives you the space to do that. Sometimes when I produce a show, all I hope is that you're going to say the thing that is exactly the thing that I want you to say. Because I wrote down here, authenticity of voice. That's what I'm hearing. And that's exactly what you're hearing I think that these it's beautiful can we, s- can we pound? Yeah, yeah. Bam. <laughs> I think these three songs capture the essential ingredients that are not essential ingredients of pop music, right? But are the performance of aspirational pop stardom in yeah. front of a televised audience. You need to have vocal dexterity. You need to have confidence, poise, and over the controlled narrative development of the drama in the hmm. song you have to have great emotive ability and you need to have an authentic voice yeah that's all yeah and just just all of that nvd no big deal there's one other song that i just feel like in talking about our celebration of reality yeah, yeah. television music we would be remiss okay. not to mention i dreamed a dream in time gone by yeah that's um susan boyle right susan boyle singing i dreamed a dream and in in the clip in the in the live um reaction the behind the scenes people say oh you didn't expect to hear that did you right Right, you didn't expect that and because that's the last sort of essential part is that you have to have everything Mm. and you have to have 
that thing where you break all of the audience's expectations about who you are, what you're capable of, because I think you have to be the stand-in for that audience. Yeah. Like everybody wants to see themselves in the potential role of the star. And Susan Boyle was this 47-year-old aspiring Scottish singer from a small collection of villages, um, and she, I think, really defied expectations about yeah. what a pop star could look like, sound like, all of the ageist huh. expectations about pop stardom. And so I, I wanted to bring her into the conversation because I think you can't you can't just be a perfect singer and performer. You have to also represent something that is breaking from our, the mold. You know, I, I've, I'm glad you said that because it also makes me sort of zoom out. Earlier you were saying, you know, we might have some biases against these shows because they don't seem authentic, because they seem manufactured, etc. But... At the, on the other hand, it's like when you think of some of the stars they've produced, Kelly Clarkson, Susan Boyle, Jennifer Hudson, it's like... They wow me. And I feel like they might not have been accepted by the traditional gatekeepers of the music industry, label heads and oh, our people, because they didn't, as you said, you know, their look, their personality, whatever, didn't fit the mold of a conventional pop star. Folks like Clay Aiken and even Taylor Hicks, right? Like these folks just... When you see them on a stage, they, they feel more like, oh, that's like my friend or that's sure. like me. And maybe we're getting a little generous with our definition of star now, but 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 point taken. I mean, yeah. th this does make me think that these shows are really valuable and in, like introducing voices into the pop machine that might not be not might not make it otherwise. Hmm. But as we established, are these shows relevant anymore? That's a great question. Do they exist? Yes, yes these shows exist. Do they garner a large audience? Yes, they do. Are there more kinds of gatekeepers and entry points into popular music? Definitely. Yeah. If you're an aspiring performer, you don't have to play this game. There's a lot of other games you can play to get there. What they don't have anymore is an entire... At least I want to speak specifically in the United States. Okay. They do not have the entire nation watching a thing defining a mm. critical moment. True. There's no moment like this anymore. No. Which brings us to <laughs> Teen Spirit. Excellent. Because there is a moment. This is a really different kind of film. This is a sort of pop musical where most of the music is diegetic music. Yeah. They are singing music in the song, but it's not a musical because it's happening in a reality TV competition. Right. You saw it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. It's a fun film. Part of the reason why I enjoyed Teen Spirit is because it is just full of nostalgia for things that I really love, which is some great music, oh, and particularly yeah. some music which was not the most heavily featured thing. So we, we hear like we hear uh, Grimes, we hear uh, No Doubt, which yeah. is, was very popular in its time, but uh, is also very <laughs> very throwback. At totally. This point. Um, Robin. Yep, Robin. Even like what they do with how they perform the music it feels like it is older than it really is so that like, <laughs> there's a, a a version of Katy perry's et oh yeah i do remember that yeah but it's done as like an 80s synth wave <laughs> that was fun thing. yeah and so it's like it's really playing on this this looking to the past but i think that's appropriate because the idea of using a singing competition as a narrative device at this point also actually kind of feels nostalgic yeah like, yeah absolutely it's a thing which isn't quite as important as it used to be no and there's almost like a sur surrealistic quality to the film in that respect, both in the the songs you're hearing and 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 yeah, like you said, the sort of 
Technicolor dream comes true uh, vision of a singing competition in 2019 is also kind of like, oh, a little for outer, outer spacey, too. Yeah, outer spacey. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect metaphor. So what we need to do is we need to listen to one of the essential uh, songs and moments from this film. The song Kill My Vibe. Mm. Um, Don't Fanning. Kill My Vibe. The song Don't Kill My Vibe. <laughs> Yes, Don't Kill My Vibe. Sorry about that. So this is Elle Fanning singing in a competition. What we want to look at is, does it meet the qualities of vocal dexterity, emotivability, confidence, dramatic narrative, and authentic voice? Ooh, high stakes. You love to tear me down and pick me apart Then build me up like I depend on you but I throw myself from heights that used to scare me. Guess you're surprised I'm the puzzle you can't figure out. I'm trying to play a nice but Don't kill my life. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about vocal dexterity. I mean, it's not. I don't know if it's Whitney Houston level, yeah. but it's it's challenge. It's a challenge to sing this one. It's 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 just a lot of sustained notes in the upper register. Um, yeah, this is a toughie. Yeah, that little line. Don't tell. What did she say? Well, just sing it, Charlie. You can do it. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know what she's saying. I can't even do because it, it's fast and it's like yeah, arpeggiated and jumping up and down. That's the tricky one, right? Because it's high and fast. Coloratura oh, is the uh, okay. operatic. That sounds term like for a that. dexterous yeah. term. Okay, emotive ability. Definitely in the sense that you can't sing this song like in a lackadaisical way like, <laughs> sure. it will just not work well except for you know I, I, what I, where i get some of the emotion is when she almost it sounds like she's slipping in and out of a singing voice like there's just check out this moment right here okay Puzzle, you can't figure out i tried to play a nice but it's like i'm a puzzle you can't figure out <laughs> I'm very aware of the control that it takes to be able to know when to sing the line and when to sort of speak the line. Mm. We have a word for that, too. What's that? Sprechstimme. No way. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? It's like speech speech song. Ah, like yeah. like a TikTok. Uh, by Kesha? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so emotive ability, confidence. Mm. Don't kill my vibe. I don't, there's, yeah confident yeah totally similar to uh, janice joplin's piece of my heart you you can't sing this without throwing yourself into it yeah absolutely dramatic narrative and this song has such a strong arc where it begins like this tiny mm-hmm. little quiet thing and it just explodes and becomes more rhythmically complex and it's uh, about and more defiant yeah it's defiant so yes now when i when i first saw this film i felt like the music wasn't very poppy if you will like don't kill my vibe didn't feel like a song that i was going to hear on american idol right i mean there's no based on there's no whitney houston there's no (laughs) janice joplin there's no uh andrew lloyd weber here (laughs) yeah this is unorthodox it's a it just it's also like a slightly more like indie aesthetic if you will certainly yeah uh in fact the film even kind of like makes fun of the other performers who are are more poppy Right, right and i realized that this is 
for the to fulfill the essential final ingredient it's the susan boyle spice it's that surprise factor yeah you've got to have that authenticity and it has to somehow be different than the rest because if you look just like where the rest of the aspiring pop stars and sound just like them and if you meet all of the bubblegum aesthetic then you will be forgotten right you're just another one of the thing that i already know I think our whole episode on on Billie Eilish was sort of establishing her success around her ability to c- control this narrative of being different. Oh my God! Can you imagine Billie Eilish on American <laughs> Idol? That would be such a trip. Yeah. And to our earlier point, though, like probably not pop TV competition material because the vocal dexterity, while she certainly has it, her vocal is often very restrained and whispered, mm. and yet has one of the biggest albums of the year. Yeah, there you go. So when I first heard Teen Spirit, I thought, well, maybe the music isn't really sort of fitting the TV competition vibe. Right. I mean, even the, the title, Teen Spirit, that's a reference to Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit, probably. Totally. Which is like the most anti-reality <laughs> show song ever, probably. And so even though it doesn't conform to some of my expectations, ultimately all of the sort of standard criteria are in there. Totally, yeah. What I really enjoyed, though, was the way in which it wove a narrative about how how one becomes a star, which felt different than a lot of other stories that were, I was familiar with. Basically showing the hard work that it takes to be a star. It's yeah. not the born a genius ever a genius <laughs> people just need to s- discover you right right and then, like even the like when you think about the framing of American Idol, yeah, it's very different than amateur hour and i like this i like the way in which Elle's character violet becomes the star does not begin the star so i want to go to a conversation with Elle about what it takes to train to play that pop star figure cool so you play violet in teen spirit you are an aspiring pop star who begins their career in a karaoke bar moves to singing in a local competition and eventually onto a national stage. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this film is that it portrays the hard work and development that it takes to become a pop star. It's not just a story of an overnight success. And I want to ask you about how did you train to play and especially sing and dance for that role? You know, it was a lot of dedication um, beforehand, before filming. Um, It was three months. The moment I found out I got the part, which I had to prove my, myself because I, I, they wanted, I wasn't on the radar to get the part um, because they were looking at gold, you know, singers, um, and mostly from Poland. So I, I was not someone that they were they were looking at, but I saw a press release of the film. Um, it, was un, it wasn't cast yet, but just saw that Max was, had written this and was directing it, and it, it was about a girl who sings in a, you know, X-Factor type singing competition and I was like what is this my ears perked up and I got to I kind of begged them to give me the script and met with Max and we really saw the same vision for the for the film and um but after that he's like okay like you know you can you can do this but you have to start training like yesterday um and I and I really did I was filming the movie at the time um as well and Marius DeVries he flew out to Savannah, where I was, and, and we started all of our vocal training, and Bob Garrett was um, someone who helped me with my vocal training as well. Um, yes, yeah, so it was three months of that, um, and also Polish lessons and choreography and 
getting the, the little you know, dance numbers that we had in the film down. And Marcus, who's the music supervisor, I mean, he helped me completely. He would record me singing through all the songs every day and, and videotape me and make me listen to myself back, which is, as an actor, um, is very different. It comes from a much more technical place, whereas for a scene, I normally wouldn't analyze, you know, my the scenes that I've done. Um, so it, it was just, it was a different, working from a different place. But I also had to be aware that Violet is a growing performer herself. So, um, you know, sometimes we would be doing a live performance, have the live performance days, and I'd be like, oh, you know, maybe as Elle, I'm, I've gotten a little more advanced with the performance aspect, but Violet, she's not quite there yet, so I would have to hold back a bit, because obviously we film out of, you know, not in chronological order with film. So I just had to be aware that she is someone who, she isn't a performer yet either, and, and then kind of grows into herself, and that's kind of the beauty of how it's a coming-of-age story in a way, but we're just trying to balance where she's at um, in the competition. Yeah, how does Violet's voice change as the story progresses? Because like yourself, she undergoes rigorous training to prepare for this competition. Yeah, I think, you know, finding her voice, it's very um, specific, uh, you know, finding her voice is, you know, the way she talks, being a Polish immigrant, but also growing up in England on Isle of Wight, but also finding her voice for when she sings, because when you listen to pop stars, sometimes they're, you know, they, they sing with accents. You know, she has an English accent in the film, so you're like, is she going to sing with an English accent, or is she is she not? So that was something we had to talk about, but I think emulating, you know, she she's trying to emulate these pop stars that she listens to, so I try to do that myself. Like, I, you know, listened to Gwen Stefani and watched a lot of, you know, videos of these pop performers myself and try to find her voice in that way. And I think she, you know, Violet gets a lot more, she grows into herself and gets a lot more comfortable on stage and figures out who she is as a performer. She's a very authentic mm. person. I think that's kind of one of, also for young people to see a movie like this, Violet's a very uncompromising character, which I think is really beautiful. She doesn't, the movie isn't about her changing herself to, you know, follow her dreams or her passions about her actually finding herself more. Um, and that last performance of Don't Kill My Vibe was just such a, it was obviously a very crucial one, um, but there's a lot of anger in that, which I think a lot of pent-up emotion that Violet um, has had throughout the film. She's a very tense person um, kind of throughout the film, so finally being able to let that anger out um, in song was something that, you know, she finally found her voice. Her voice starts so timid early in the film, and then you really belt in your final scenes. Uh, the the voice seems to have gone a long way. One of my favorite covers is sort of, I think, in the development uh, section, where you cover Robin's Dancing on My Own, which is one of my favorite pop songs. And I wanted to ask you, how does that song for you embody Violet's story? You know, Dancing on My Own is um, the first song that Max chose. I think that that was, he would say that's a song that um, inspired the whole idea of the film. He, he heard that song and then got the idea to write this story. You know, Violet, obviously, she is a loner. She has a very hard exterior. She's experienced a lot in her life. And, and hmm. that's kind of also with pop music, it can be so poppy and, and such a huge you know, dance track, which Robin's is, but it's a quite 
um, melancholic, sad song when you really listen to the lyrics. So I think the juxtaposition of, of that is something that completely is the story. Because, you know, obviously this is a, it's a movie with pop music and it's um, very fun, but it has a lot of darkness in it as well which even in the cinematography or the way it's shot and it's, you know, always kind of this duality, which, um, is the film. So I, and it's one of the biggest, you know, pop anthems. So I love that song. (laughs) It really does capture her character. I want to ask you about what is playing a pop star teach you about the nature of fame as a pop star that is different than that of an acclaimed actor? Gosh, I think just being a, you know, having a little taste in the music world, you do see a lot of, you know, what they what they go through. You know, even watching like the Katy Perry documentary and the Lady Gaga documentary and how you know, there's so many fans once you have that success that, that they have and they feel like, you know, everyone kind of in a way wants a piece of them. So I wrote you know, it's very kind of wow, like they for them to be able to to um stay true to themselves and, and, mm. and still keep a bit of privacy, you know, in, in a world of where everybody hears their voice on a, the radio and everyone feels that they're, you know, friends with them or so close to them. Because even me sometimes, I feel like, oh, I know. I feel like I know them, these pop stars, because they're in my bedroom. You know, I listen to them all the time. <laughs> I feel so close to them. So, yeah. Well, the album from the film is fantastic. I really enjoy how sonically it unites a whole sort of decade of pop music in a really cohesive package covered with all throughout with your voice and i'm wondering are we going to hear more music coming from you oh you know i love that honestly i had the most incredible um journey doing this and it was such a rewarding feeling to to feel like wow you you got through it and um, (laughs) we're able to sing the songs because you know in the beginning uh, you to hear the growth. I was able to to hear that, and it's a very kind of uh, a proud feeling where you say, like, "Wow, I feel, I can hold my breath longer," and like, you know, you really you physically feel stronger with all the with all the practice. Um, mm. And now having the album out there to the world is definitely very scary, um, but really a pinch me moment. It is super exciting to see myself pop up on Apple Music or Spotify as an artist something that I did definitely dream of when I was little, dream of myself performing on stage. So it, this is kind of a dream come true. But I am, you know, who knows? Like, I enjoyed it so much. So I would love to. Maybe it wouldn't be pop, as poppy of music, hmm. but... Um, what would it be? I think, I, I feel like I'm a little more, like, folky country. A little more, like, bluesy in a way. Like, I think um, a little more like singer-songwriter, I guess. But I do love the pop songs so these days people do such mashups you know the genres are merging <laughs> absolutely well Elle Fanning thank you so much the film is teen spirit it's fabulous and it's really fun to get to hear the development of your voice in the film and get to hear about your process thanks for chatting with us thank you so much thank you <laughs> I love that the idea of you know basically accidentally 
recording an entire album <laughs> and, and now being like a star on Apple Music. No, I think, you know, you, you led into that interview with this note of the work that goes into being, you know, a successful singer. And it's fun to hear from someone who has just gone through that work, <laughs> yeah. you know, has trained. I mean, it's like life and art meeting, right? Because the movie is her, like, you know, meeting this mentor and training and learning how to do this. And that's also what she was doing behind the scenes at the same time. So in a way, it's like cinema verite or something. It also teaches me that all of my pre-existing biases against the TV singing competition narrative and sort of aesthetic need to probably be thrown out. Oh, like, yeah. I was definitely coming at it from the wrong perspective and not seeing it for what it is. Getting to really see and hear that hard work makes me deeply appreciate it. And when you have to have all of the dexterity and perfection yeah. and complete authenticity and like I'm just like any person and that constant switch between those two... That's something I am, I really admire. It's, I've, it's totally. It's magic. I know. I'm in it awe. Really is, I'm in it, awe. Is the, it is the most spectacular part of the spectacle. Are you going to be uh, cutting an audition tape soon? <laughs> is that the sense I'm getting here? No, it's not something that is ever achievable for me. <laughs> maybe when I have my, maybe in my late 40s, I'll have a Susan Boyle moment. I love it. I love it. One more thing. We've been getting some really fun requests on social media where people give us amazing recommendations. And people have been asking, what are we listening to? Because on our show, I feel like we only get to really address one thing at a time. There's usually like one song and then a bunch of history and other songs that relate to it. But people want to know what do we find interesting that maybe isn't making it onto the show just because of time or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I wanted to share just a few of our favorite tracks really quickly. Uh, and I wanted to lead with Anderson Pack's new album, Ventura. Oh, it's so good. Have you listened to this yes, already? I, it's all I listen to. Oh, what's your take? Uh, I'm, I'm obsessed. It's like, yeah. it's brilliant from beginning to end. It's, it's funky. It's political. It's lush. It's clever. It's moving. I'm, I can't say enough. It has a lot of that thing that you keep hitting in your pocket. It has Andre Benjamin on it. I mean, it's like, oh, it's good. Smokey, Smokey Robinson. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And it's got the jazz. Yeah. Lots of jazz. Are you liking anything right now? I've been really digging uh, a song that just came out by Mavis Staples called Anytime. Mavis it's, Staples? Yeah. The Mavis Staples of the Staples Singers. Uh, it's 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 a really cool track. It's written and produced by uh, Ben Harper and huh. is probably also the best thing he's done in quite some time. Cool. Uh, Mavis Staples' voice sounds incredible. Like. Mm like so just deep and and worn but like perfectly lively and on tune i can't say enough man i'm I'm such a fan i got one more okay hit me i was just listening to like new music friday the other day and i found max and quinn 92's love me less it's this really funky like it's like musical theater trap <laughs> <laughs> And it just had this beat that had me instantly hooked. It was one of those things where, I don't know, I can be a difficult listener sometimes. And this is a song that came on. I was like, oh, I like that. Just instinctively. Penetrated your defenses. <laughs> cool. I love it. All right. That was fun. Do you got one more for me? I've also been feeling uh, one of Khalid's uh, new tracks called Out of My Head. Uh, this is just, I mean, I, I'm, uh, we're fans. We've, oh, yeah. We've, we've talked about him a lot. His voice is his butter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his, whole, his whole persona is really 
generous and yeah. Actually, he was a he was a, a coach on The Voice uh, this season. He was get out great. of here, really? Yeah. Isn't he like thirteen? Yep, but he's got a lot of wisdom, man. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I also love this song because it features a ripping guitar solo from <laughs> from John Mayer. And I just love I love hearing like a, a, a an in your face electric guitar solo once in a while. So we'll put up uh, these songs that we've been listening to in our show notes and send us notes about what you're listening to as well at Switched On Pop on Twitter and social media. Switched On Pop is hosted by me, Charlie Harding, and me, Nate Sloan. We're produced by Jillian Weinberger. Edited and mixed by Brandon McFarland. Our community manager is Sarah Terry. And our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Allison Rocky. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to podcasts, including the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, etc. And you can always find episodes on our site, www.switchedonpop.com. We'll be back again in another week. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.